Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 80 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsors... PC Law from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Get your free 30-day trial at PCLaw.com slash radio. And Clio, online practice management for attorneys at GoClio.com. In our last podcast, we talked about the growing importance of instant messaging and texting and speculated on whether we'd see lawyers using IM and texting and in what ways over the next few years. In this episode, we keep our focus on other implications of this vast movement to mobile technology. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we're going to talk about the idea of the mobile website and how it is taking on increased importance of late. In our second segment, we'll revisit the topic of our last episode, instant messaging and texting. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start using the second this podcast is over. But let's get started on our first segment, uh, the mobile website. As, as more and more people, I think, become consumers of, of mobile technology, I think we are seeing a gradual move to mobile-enabled web content. You know, I, when I used to visit a website uh, on my iPhone, I used to get the full website, and uh, it was a pain to have to navigate. Uh, nowadays, if I get on my iPhone, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that many sites have created their own version of a mobile site, which is a lot easier to navigate, although it's not perfect, as I think we'll discuss. I haven't seen any other statistics, really, on on mobile use or use of mobile websites, but, but I know, Dennis, you had mentioned that Facebook was claiming that it had 425 mobile users, which is approximately half of its current users, you know, that certainly goes a long way to proving that mobile is becoming a predominant platform. Does that ring true for you? Yeah, it does. And Tommy, so 425 million users of, a, I guess, sort of 850 million Facebook users is the going number these days. So that's actually a staggering number. And, and so when I think about it, how I use Facebook, I, I actually access Facebook primarily by iPhone myself, you know, so quick, quick look to see what's going on there. I get some, some alerts when something's happened. Um, but I'm not all that often on, on the actual web page. And so, so I, I, I think that that, that sense, I mean, the, the half is, is really a staggering number of, of mobile users, but it, it really feels like that's the way the world is going. I mean, do you, do you hit Facebook in the same way? Does, does the number seem, in the ballpark to you? Well, the number seems in the ballpark, but I don't really do it the same way exactly. I mostly visit Facebook from my iPad, uh, which I think is funny because back in 2010, I think it was um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg who was asked why there wasn't an iPad app for Facebook. And his statement back was because the iPad isn't mobile. It's a computer. 
And um, I think that there's probably, you know, reasonable minds could differ on whether an iPad is a mobile device or not. But the point, I think the point is taken. But but what I think and why I think that, 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 that you're right about this is that lots of people use Facebook when they're out. I mean, that's when they want, they do things that they want to share with people. They, they're traveling, they see something that they want their friends to see, or they're out with friends and they want other people to know about it. You know, I think that Facebook is a go-to app for when you're out and you have nothing to do. You're waiting for someone or you're waiting for something to happen. It's easy to pull out the phone and quickly scan and find out what the rest of your friends are doing. So that's, that's I think, one reason why Facebook is so important on mobile devices. But let's talk and maybe switch the, 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 the discussion over to talking about, uh, about mobile content in general and the fact that for many people, uh, maybe not lawyers, but for many people, a smartphone is the only way that a person has to the internet. So the only way that they can get to certain websites happens to be through their smartphone. And uh, and, and you know I I know that uh, that smartphones are tremendous providers of 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 great information. You know my parents. They just they still have regular clamshell phones. They only want a phone to be able to uh, to to talk uh, to people if they if they deem it necessary to talk to people on the phone. But my dad's actually talked about getting an iPhone for the sole purpose of taking it with him when they go out to eat or when they go out with friends, so that they have a little mini computer there that they can solve questions. They can go on IMDb and and answer what what else had that celebrity been in, or they can go Google something to find out the answer to something else. And um, and so I. I think that uh, that that we're seeing more folks use their mobile phones in that way, uh, and, and I think that that's why websites are. I think that's why we're seeing more of the move towards uh, the mobile-enabled site that 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 tends to be friendlier than what we've seen in the past. Would you agree with that, Dennis? Yeah, I to- totally. And, and I think that sort of one of the signs of our times is really that thing uh, that the scene you see over and over again of of how somebody's asking a question, you see a group of people and and all of a sudden one or two or more of them are pulling out an iPhone or, or other or other smartphone and going on the internet to answer the question. And so I, I think you see, and it's not just a teenage thing. And so teenagers obviously use their uh, smartphones in, in, in lots of ways. Are, are very mobile oriented, but I, you just see people saying, "Let me check that on Wikipedia. Let's get restaurant inf- info." I mean, you know, Tom, I know that when we're at uh, like a law practice management section meeting or something like that, uh, when people are d- uh, decide they want to go out to a restaurant, it's, it's like everybody has a smartphone out checking that, and so I think that that's becoming more common. And then um, also, I, I read a stat that said there's a million touch screen phones shipping every day, so there's just more and more um, going into into the environment, um, and that sort of the adoption of the smartphone is is really happening in a, a staggeringly fast way. Tom, you're sort of the the master of the iPhone apps uh, world, and and I think it's important for what we want to talk about to establish there is a distinction between mobile apps on the one hand and and mobile websites on the other, and and that we're going to focus on the the mobile website. Uh, side of the equation today. Um, what would you say to, you know, for our audience, what, what is the distinction between those two approaches? 
Uh, well, for me, the, the distinction is um, not necessarily the amount of content, although we're going to get into that. I have, I have more to say on this part later, but, but really how the content is displayed. Uh, for me, anyway, a mobile website is a simplified version of the main website. The, the, we'll call it the desktop website. It, um, it may or may not have the same information, uh, but it's much easier to navigate on a mobile device than, uh, than a regular website. I, I think we'll, we'll talk about in just a minute about whether it's smart to define the mobile web in this way, because I think that there is some controversy about what that mobile web becomes. A mobile app, uh, on the other hand, I think has the potential to do a lot more and, and provide information in, in a lot of different ways. It can be customized to provide a lot more information, I think, than a mobile website, uh, but it's the user interface it, that's a lot more pleasing. It's a lot easier to use on a mobile device, and I think that's really the basic definition of an app. I always prefer to use an app over a mobile website as long as I'm getting access to, I think, the same basic information. I'll give an example. Uh, I remember that uh, that Legal Tech was the first out of the Legal Technology Conferences, the first out with its mobile website. It They called it, I guess, a web app. But it wasn't a true app that you would download for your iPhone or Android phone from an app store. It was, it was really just a mobile version of the website. And I remember thinking it was very cool and easy to use, and it, it was a lot more convenient than having to access the Legal Tech website if I wanted information about the conference on my phone. But by, by contrast, when ABA Tech Show debuted their version of their conference app this year, I thought that was much more convenient, much easier. It was a much more pleasing design, much easier to get around. Uh, I think that when I compare that to a mobile site, I think it was something that I would much more prefer than, uh, than having to na navigate a mobile web app like Legal Tech had last year. That said, we're talking mostly about uh, about websites here and mobile websites. So when we think about that distinction, Dennis, what 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 do you think it means uh, about normal websites and 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 the future and and whether or not we're going to start seeing most of them move over to some sort of mobile basis? Well, I think if you if you use the Facebook example again, you say if what if half of the visitors to my website, say my law firm website, are are viewing it on the, on a mobile phone. What's the implication of that? And the first thing is, you know, have you ever checked to go to your own site on a mobile phone and see what you get? And and so I think you, what you'll find is that there's sort of these complex uh, websites, you know, with uh, lots of columns, lots of design elements, uh, lots of information designed for big screens just don't translate at all. Um, on a on a smartphone, and they'll be off-putting to to people who who hit it through a smartphone. And I want to and 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 so that's the main thing. And so I, probably the one piece of advice we have for everybody is is to check their own website through you know through their through their smartphone. That will give you a baseline as to what the experience could be, and then try to translate into to what happens if if say half of the people are seeing it. Are they just going to leave? Is it even something that's even usable? So I want to I want to give an example of what the alternative to that is, and so. 
Uh, one of my friends, Kay Peterson, is a usability expert. We were talking the other day about a, a, uh, a site that, that Tom has mentioned. It's, uh, it's called ifttt.com. Uh, so it's if this, then that. And it's a way that sort of lets you automatically program some things that happen. So it will happen in one social media context, and it will go to another. And, and it's a really handy program. But while we were talking about it, we looked at, at this site. In, on a regular computer, on an iPad and an iPhone, and it looked exactly the same in on each device, and it and it looked equally good on each device, and so I, I think that's what's become a really interesting part of the mobile side is can 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 you simplify your side and can you can you sort of optimize it for each of the different screen experiences. And we've been able to do that a little bit in the past. And I wrote about this a couple of years ago, um, that there were even some third party services where you could, you know, essentially run your RSS feed through them and create a little uh, mini mobile version of your blog is sort of the easiest example. So there's a, there's a number of ways to go on that. But but I, I, I sort of think that's what we're moving to is that sort of a design that works for a lot of different screens with a special attention on the, on the smaller screens. Well, and then, you know, that brings up what I think has been sort of a recent uh, controversy that, that's come up in the past couple of weeks uh, that when Jacob Nielsen, he's um, a, a noted web usability uh, expert um, who has spoken on a lot of things and I think is, is controversial on a lot of things. And uh, about two weeks ago, he, he posted something on the idea of mobile sites versus desktop sites. And, and he says that a good mobile user experience requires a different design than what's needed to satisfy desktop users. I agree with that. I think that's right. I think it needs to be a, a different design that fits the site, that, that, that looks good. I, I don't know that I want to see the exact, I don't know that I need to see the exact same thing as what's on the website as long as as I get everything. And that's kind of where Jacob and I part ways because he also says later in his article that a mobile site to be successful, uh, to, to, to do what it's supposed to do, should either cut its features or cut its content. Um, that, a, that a mobile site should have reduced content. And if the user is interested in more, then uh, there should be a, a link to click there to the full website. Yeah, I've, I'm going to post his article as well as some articles of people disagreeing with him in the show notes. But you know the the uh, the you know the 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 one person has stated that that having a link to the full site at the bottom of your mobile site is an admission of failure on your part on the part of the web designer and that you shouldn't have that and I I think that uh, that that the argument goes from the other side that because more and more people are using mobile, because people are using mobile more often than a desktop website to get to information, by stripping out content or reducing it, you are depriving people of essential information that they need. You know, one, one of the posts that I'll link to, he says something like, there's no such thing as this is mobile content and this is not mobile content. It's all content and it all needs to be displayed in the same place. You know, I, I going back to the full site 
I, I disagree with with Nielsen. I don't think it's a good experience. I hate using full sites on my iPhone. I'm sure that most of you who've had to go to full sites, um, it, for many sites, it's just a pain. It's not very convenient. Uh, and if you're using an iDevice that doesn't have flash on it, using the full site it can can be a, a bad experience because you can't see all the content uh, in general. I, I think everyone agrees that building a great mobile experience with complete content and features is hard. Um, but I think that 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 I, I tend to agree with those who are speaking out against Jacob Nielsen that, that building a slimmed down version for the mobile site is not the answer either. Dennis, how do you fall down on this discussion? What you know, actually, my 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 friend Kate was referred me to an, to another web design uh, guru, Luke Robluski, uh, who's known for the the idea of mobile first as a as a web design philosophy and getting a lot of attention for that. And so the idea there is that as you start to design or redesign a web page, you think mobile first as you as you put through the design, and then what we're calling the desktop site kind of comes along for the for the ride. Obviously, I'm oversimplifying there tremendously. But I like the idea that we're just, you're completely changing your perspective on on how you do the how you do the design. And so you go back to, you know, how, how, how is your audience coming to your site? Are you getting more uh, mobile users? Uh, this kind of sort of comes up in the, in the, uh, the notion of, of QR codes, uh, which are those kind of funny codes that you can scan in. And a lot of, a lot of people will have that, that scan, the, the QR code actually go to their main website. Well, Obviously, the people scanning it are using a, a mobile phone to, to scan that QR code. And so if you don't have a, a mobile optimized site, that's kind of an odd experience that you're you're giving people as their first touch with you. Um, so, I, I, Tom, I know we're not going to go very technical on any of this. And, and really, our advice to people is to, you know, it's it maybe time to have a, a long sit down talk with your web designer these days. But there's a couple approaches. You can do a separate mobile version. Um, the cascading style sheets, known as CSS, uh, give you a way that you can kind of trigger it. And so the site, you know, as part of the experience, uh, if you're coming from mobile, you'll see one version of the site. So same content, but it will display differently. Uh, so there's a, there's a number of ap approaches out there. Um, and I just think that right now... Probably, you know, most websites these days, and, and certainly mine, is, is definitely due for an upgrade. And, and I think that the mobile version of, of my site has really come first to mind for me when I, when I actually have the conversation with my web designer about what we do next. Um, how about you, Tom? You know, there are a couple. I, I, I totally agree that if you're thinking about doing this for your firm website and you have a web designer, talk to them about dealing with this. If you have a blog, if you're doing something on your own, if you don't really want to hire anybody or, or you haven't in the past hired anybody, there are a bunch of services out there that will create, I think, basic mobile sites for, uh, for your for mobile versions of your website. Uh, I, I think we've mentioned them before on this show. One of them is called MoFuse. Uh, that's one that I'm familiar with. I, I, I've looked at some articles. I found one called Mippin, uh, one called Wirenode. I'm going to post them all with links in the show notes. One that I thought was interesting that I didn't see the last time I did research on this is actually from Google, and it's called GoMo, G-O-M-O, Go Mobile. Um, they'll create, well, well, one of the nice things is you put in your, your URL of your site, and it's going to show you how it looks on a smartphone, and then it's going to ask you some basic questions about can you 
Can you press on the links? Are you able to navigate? Are you able to enter search terms easily um, on this mobile version? And then it's going to, based on your answers to those questions, it's going to rank your site and, and, and give you some suggestions on how to improve it. It will also create a mobile site for you for free for one year. I think that uh, the yearly cost after that is about 100 bucks a year, but I didn't really go deeper into it, although I think I'm, I'm going to at least test it out and see how it works on, uh, on, on, on one of my blogs. Uh, you know, if you're interested, and I'm going to sit on a side note real quick, uh, if you're interested in, in a mobile app, of your site. I know we're talking about websites, but a mobile app of your site, or at the very least, are providing some of your firm's information. I met a I met a developer at ABA Tech Show who develops an app for law firms. It's called the Barrister app. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. It, it creates a very basic app for areas on who we are, where we are, what we do. There's places in the app for clients to add notes or even receive notifications from you directly into the app. Uh, you know, although some of the people that I mentioned before probably wouldn't like the app because it provides what what we would all consider to be slimmed down I think information from a from a main website it's an interesting new twist on a law firm app so that might be something you might want to give a look Dennis any final thoughts to take us out of this segment yeah just a couple of things so in, when I wrote the article a couple of years ago about uh, mobile sites I mentioned mofuse and and those third-party sites which I just thought was the easiest way to do this and a great thing to do and and I, I went back to to check the mobile version of my site and realized that they had changed the way they were doing things and basically all the URLs that I had in you know to my mobile site in that article had changed and no longer worked so it's something you need to pay attention to and that's why I think if you're you're thinking about Read you know a re a full redesign on a blog or website, then uh, you know especially if you're using a design, designer, you really want to focus on that. But I think those those third party sort of cloud hosted types of approaches can be really interesting, especially if, if you have an RSS feed. So I mean, I'll take us out, Tom. I, I just think this is has become really important, and that that 425 million uh, mobile user uh, stat that Facebook uh, gave really brought brought home how much the world is changing and how much people's experience of the, of the web is changing. And um, this is a great year to look into the redesign of, of your website and, and mobile has to be part of it. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from our sponsors, Clio and PC Law by LexisNexis. <laughs> Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process? No, I, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. And uh, even if you have an existing, uh, a legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a, a web-based practice management system like Clio, there's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running to the cloud in, less than, in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported uh, in a matter of hours or days. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. Tired of all the headaches of running your law firm? Want to spend your time doing what really matters? Then you need PC Law. 
PC Law from LexisNexis is the legal industry's best-selling matter, billing, and accounting software. It has never been easier to manage your law firm and serve your clients. Get back to doing what matters to you. For a free trial, go to PCLaw.com slash radio. That's PCLaw.com slash radio. Or call us at 800-685-2161 today. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial playing in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at LegalTalkNetwork.com. You never have enough friends or followers, right? Check out Legal Talk Network on Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn too. And welcome back to the Kenny Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this segment, we revisit our topic from the last episode, texting and instant messaging. Tom, last time we talked about how people are using instant messaging and texting to the tune of an estimated eight trillion texts a year. I feel like I'm using texting and I am even more than I did two weeks ago when I did the show. Uh, do you have some follow-ups on, uh, on the last episode? You know, the biggest follow-up that I have is uh, I, <laughs> I went and saw the movie 21 Jump Street uh, just after we recorded this last episode, and not a bad movie, not the best movie ever, but not a bad movie. And one of the things that I thought was funny in it was, it, you know, it's it's the, the main one of the main the two main characters they go back to high school undercover, and uh, one of them calls a high school student on her phone, and the girl didn't know what to do at first. She she picked up the phone and she said she never actually talks on the phone. She only uses it to text. And uh, and and the the, the show that uh, that I do here in Dallas for the the bar association, we do a variety. Show there's a skit that's been submitted this year where uh, where lawyers are meeting with some children who have a, a new idea for a business and they spend the children spend the entire time in the meeting room with them texting them uh, instead of actually talking to them and and as as much as I'd hate to say that this is not uh, the future I I'm, I worry that that we're becoming an increasingly texting nation. I can't say that I'm texting more than ever. I use texting when it needs to be used. Uh, you know, when I know someone is going to have their phone, when a call doesn't make sense, and when I just need a quick response that doesn't need to be immediate. I will say that I'm using instant messaging more than ever, especially with folks at work. You know, I work in a distributed environment. My The other uh, consultants that I work with are in different parts of the country, and it really comes in handy. We're on a call with clients. Uh, we need a back channel where we can talk about things. That that's nice. It's also a lot easier to send a quick instant message to someone I'm working with than picking up the phone and possibly interrupting their day, especially if I don't need the answer immediately. Dennis, how's it been for you? You know, it's, it's kind of funny what you were saying that uh, with you using instant messaging, I sort of can gauge how busy you are by the number of instant messages I, I get from you and how available you are in instant messaging. But the point you raise is really interesting because I listened to a number of podcasts and read a number of things recently from from people who are sort of experts in, in these sorts of things saying that, that there really is a, a definite move away from voice communications and that text, ironically, is becoming more important than ever in this sort of era of video and audio and, and, and internet, because there's so much happening by text. And, and I, I think you're right that the voice, you know, we're, we're going back to we're finding, hey, phones are kind of interruptive. And if you text somebody, you can just get the information you need. A lot of times you just text to see if, if somebody's available for a call. And sometimes it's just a lot more efficient to text. But I'm very intrigued by this notion that it's, it's really putting 
putting a, a, a greater emphasis on text. It's, it's almost like an unintended consequence of of the, the mobile phone is that it's 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 made the traditional telephone communications less important and and maybe even less used than before. Well, one other consequence that I think is is also happening, and, and I don't think that this is something to celebrate, is uh, part of part of the uh, the downside of a text is the fact that it's only a certain number of characters, and because of that, we are seeing people who are spelling very poorly now, and who aren't taking the time to write out a full sentence and uh, and 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 say the things clearly, and we're getting lots of abbreviations, lots of poor spelling, lots of letters and numbers where a whole word used to be uh, the the norm, and uh, I'm. I'm not sure I'm looking forward to that day where I see somebody uh, writing a paper as if they're sending a text message uh, because I, I, I think that that could be one serious consequence of uh, this texting thing that's going on now. Wow, Tom, you're such an old timer on this. I'm, I'm really Sorry. surprised. Uh, also an interesting thing I saw recently that went back to the sort of 90s Prince albums where Prince was like abbreviating words as being kind of the source of the abbreviations that we now see in text. I thought was kind of funny. Uh, but Tom, it's time for a parting shot. That one tip, website or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Take it away. You know, I hate to admit it, but my new I love my new iPhone 4S, but uh, what many people are saying about battery issues, I am absolutely having with mine. I've tried everything, and my battery just drains um, like you wouldn't believe. It, it goes so quickly to be drained that I have, I have turned to what I thought I wouldn't have, have done in the past. I typically like a case that's that's slim and that will, uh, that, that, that will fit in my coat pocket and things like that, and I've gone to one when I I travel called the Mophie Juice Pack. Mophie is M-O-P-H-I-E. I'll put links to it in the show notes. Um, and it's a little bit bigger and a little bit bulkier than the other case that I use for my iPad. But when I turn on the battery, it will add and extend by four or five hours the amount of time that I can have my uh, my iPhone uh, using used during the day. So I think when I'm traveling, it's going to come in. It does come in extremely handy. There are uh, battery packs there on the Mophie website for iPhones, Androids. I know that our Android friends out there will say, well, you need to switch to a phone that has a removable battery. Uh, we've already talked about why I'm not doing that. And so I am very happy with my Mophie juice pack. Dennis. Yeah, I have two, and one sort of like for techie people, and one is for everybody else. And so the the techie one is the O'Reilly Radar blog, um, which if you watch Mash in the old days is kind of interesting because the URL is radar.oreilly.com. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it tends to be really technical, and it's uh, from the O'Reilly Publishing Company. Uh, but Every day they have a, a they do a blog post called Four Short Links. A lot of them are super technical, but almost every day I find something really interesting in there. And so I recommend that to, for people uh, who have more of the sort of heavy IT focus, really useful thing. And the one I recommend for everybody is I finally got around to seeing this uh, movie by uh, the German filmmaker Werner Herzog called Cave of Forgotten Dreams, and it's about the the Chauvet Cave they found in in. France and it has these uh, animal drawings or rock art uh, that was done by humans thirty thousand years ago and and Herzog uh, did a three D version of this. I just saw the the regular DVD DVD version, but um, I cannot stop thinking about um, that film and the images from that cave and and the implications of that. So. 
totally recommend that movie to anybody. And then also in connection with that, there's a site called or there's a group called the Bradshaw Foundation, BradshawFoundation.org, which has a an amazing collection of of pictures and information about um, all this ancient, I mean, by ancient, I mean 30,000 plus years or more ago, art from around the world that's been done on rocks and in caves. And uh, uh, it's, I just, like I said, I can't stop thinking about it. It's, it's inspiring and it, it just makes you think in some different ways. So I totally recommend that. So that does it for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed uh, on the podcast, uh, are available at our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tkmreport. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. As you go more mobile, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.